Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamant. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you, Rob? Today, Russell, I am overexcited because mm-hmm. this feels like the closest we're going to get to a party in the whole of this past year because we are being joined by a very good friend of mine. And I can't believe he's finally coming on the podcast. I'm so happy. Yeah. But I was thinking a lot about words to describe how I was feeling as mm-hmm. a way of like expressing my understanding of our guest today. Yeah. And I couldn't actually come up with that kind of a word. But things that came up were artistry, because yeah. he is a consummate artist and has dedicated the whole of his long, 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 long career to staying with creative integrity and always staying with his own vision. Yes. And he's incredibly focused, incredibly precise. He's one of the greatest singers pretty much ever. I mean, Amen. come on. And yes. he's a great lyricist, songwriter, producer, all kinds of things. He's done duets with like people like Alicia Keys, and I love that track. But other words that came to mind, were inte- uh, as well as integrity and artistry, were generosity and oh. friendship. Because we've had this amazing, very unusual friendship over the past five years. And we kind of, it was one of those synchronicity moments where you you kind of almost accidentally get introduced to somebody and it was just an amazing meeting and, and I'm so grateful that he came into my life because he's just so generous and so much fun and we've had so many amazing adventures and I got to see him live many times. So that's been a real privilege. But anyway, we will introduce our guest now. So we would like to welcome to Talk Art all the way from America. <laughs> Maxwell, Maxwell. <laughs> Hi, how Max. are you? How are you, Robert? How are you, Russell? We it's are... an honor to be here. Oh, well, I, I'm also going to mirror what Rob said and say I'm overexcited as well, Maxwell. <laughs> this is an absolute honor to be talking to you. You have been a constant noise in a good way in my <laughs> ear for many, many years and, and my go-to true. for just like music. And uh, this is just awesome. To the point I feel- where I would go around his house and he was always playing Maxwell. And I'd be like, put something else on now. It's like always Maxwell. It's like, well, you don't need anything else. You don't need anything apart from Maxwell. That's it. It covers wow. all the bases. Wow. Wow. I'm so honored by this. I mean, honestly, you know, Robert, you know, meeting you and you being a musician and also, you know, evolving into this incredible art, you know, force and phenomenon in your own right. Um, You know, it was just like a natural, organic um, friendship that just evolved with absolutely no agenda, 
we didn't want anything from each other. It was just a, a celebration of like what's beautiful on the planet and how we can celebrate that and how we can encourage that. And you, Mr. Russell, mm -hmm. I watched years and years and I was spellbound. I just couldn't, I'm like, I'm looking, I'm talking to you right now and I'm, I, I don't think you understand. I binge watched this whole thing and <laughs> I think I watched it two or three times because it's so clever and it's so layered. And your ability on this show and just your general ability as an actor is, you know, very incredible to me. And I'm, I'm just so honored that you even knew who I was. Oh, come now on. And <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone's listening is going to be like, shut up, you three. No, but that's lo that is so lovely to hear. But uh, And Rob said earlier that you thought I was Russell T. Davies and was giving me credit for writing the show. And I was like, result. That's great, but it's not it's a different Russell. Another Russell T. Well, well, look, when we first met Max, which was five years ago, and we were in New York, and it was the week of Freeze New York, and yeah. we had been at this crazy party with people. It was like the weirdest thing. I don't even know how I got invited, but I was on the list, and I don't know why I was. But somebody I didn't even know took me to this party, and we turned up, and it was like eventually Justin Bieber. And I think you were even singing, maybe, or you were there. I can't remember, but I remember seeing you at this party. And the next yeah. day, our friend Emma heard that I'd been at that party and was like, you should meet my friend Max. And then swapped our numbers and we became friends. And then we ended up going to Freeze Art Fair together, yeah. which was a real hilarious adventure because we didn't really know each other very well. And, and, you, have, and you have that VIP experience with it, clearly. Right, yeah. I mean, I just, there was, I just walked through. I was like, <laughs> wow, this is how you do Freeze, I guess. <laughs> so what, so you two we went, guys went on like a preview together and went and, on the preview day? Yeah, I think we went really early in the morning. And you weren't working I, it, Rob? No, I was working it, but but I think I went before it had opened. Uh -huh. I can't remember. We went to like an early preview and we walked around the fair together and I literally took Max to all my favourite things and I think introduced you to Catherine Bernhardt even. We went to her booth because she'd yeah. With Canada. She curated a booth at Canada yeah. Gallery, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that was a ride, wasn't it? We had fun that day. But was that yeah. your first time doing an art fair, Max? No, I, you know, I've always been kind of into it. I mean, look, when I went to school, I, I was involved with, you know, advertising. And so I, I always thought that art was like, I, th I always thought that advertising was the, I hate to say this, but it was the, the poor man's way of experiencing art. So I thought like, how can you get your work or how can you get people to understand beauty and photography and painting and all those things? And advertising seemed like you know, the, the perfect avenue or the perfect easy way to do it because people are walking by these things and, and, and you know, seeing them on television. And so it was a great way to just get everyone at the same time because usually people perceive art as being a very elitist, you know, you have to be in the know, you have to know this person and that person. Um, so that's kind of why art has always been a very special place. Plus I used to sketch myself and do things as a kid, so yeah. Did you? I didn't know that. I did, yeah. I can actually draw you... Too T, too exact. If I if, no if I if I sat down, I could actually do it. But then I got into music, and then I fell in love with that. And you know, I I, I remember sitting in in my room uh, when I got my keyboard, and I I think I was had my book bag on for like about six or seven hours after getting back from school, and I looked up at the ceiling and I said, "Thank you, I know what I want to do," you know. And so I'm so grateful for that that opportunity of knowing soon than later wow so this is when you were 17 you received this uh low-cost casio keyboard but prior, yes. to that, prior to that moment you thought potentially you were going to be a visual artist then i thought i was going to be a visual art artist for sure um you know i don't know how i got to get to this school because it was a very long train ride from brooklyn new york you know the 
the, the the jungle I call it. You know, my 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 love, my love is New York City. I mean, I I, I can never leave it. Um, <clears throat> and then I you know find my way getting involved with all these uh, people who were very artsy, and um, I didn't quite feel like I was belonged, you know. But I'm you know I'm sure with you and everyone here, you know, we always walk with our insecurity first, and then we have to, you know, like get ourselves revved up to believe something that um, we don't quite believe about ourselves till we're then validated by the audience that then believes in us and then so on and so forth. I'm sure you understand what I mean. I Russell. understand what you're saying, but that, that takes quite, a, quite a, a life to understand that. That isn't something as a kid you could ever really articulate on that level. You're just experiencing it in that moment. But you were yeah. feeling quite like shy and awkward. I think I've read that you said you were as a kid, but you was able to channel that into creativity. Yeah, you know, I think that we, I think that, you know, I'm always hitting the reset button on that kid all the time. I think we all do. I think with everything you're about to do, as you, as you're about to initiate it, you always wonder, will they like it? Will they understand it? But then at the same time, you have to not care what they're going to like. You have to not care if they're going to understand it because th that defeats the purpose of, you know, you being true to who you are. So it's a, it's a balancing act. Are you hypersensitive still, or are you? Do you take things really personally, like you know, knocks if, if critically or whatever? If something goes not the way you want it to go, how are you? How are you, how is your how thick is your skin now? I mean, with social media, it's probably thicker than like titanium at the at this moment. I think before I get up, I'm probably insulted a hundred thousand times, and it's just noon. You know, I mean, at the same time. You know, you go through an experience of getting a lot of um, of encouragement and and respect and love and adoration, but you know, you know, uh, there's a percentage of the time where people don't really like what you do. Uh, you know, will compare what you did before with what you're trying to do now. And as a as a, as an artist, whatever that word is, that wants to always constantly evolve and move past the work that is expected of of them, um, I'm always taking that risk of, you know, hopefully breaking new ground with each move, with each song, with each album. Yeah. Well, it feels like retrospectively, like like your first album, which is like my absolute go-to. And, and I've got to say about what, what it is about your music is that it's a combination of sexy and vulnerable, which is exactly like what you want to be on a date. There is nothing better than being like, they're so sexy, but I just want to look after them, but they're really hot. And that's what you're, that's for me, that's what your music is. So I put it on if I used to have dates or like friends over and it would give that sort of vibe. Like, you know, I'm, I know I've got, I'm kind of hot, but I'm really need a cuddle. And that, you, you, you know, I'm not, I'm, that was my so, so, but your first album, uh, Urban Hang Suite, is just like my go-to dream. But uh, critically you. your second album at the time wasn't as well received and i'm sure right. that was horrible but in retrospect that album is now celebrated as groundbreaking and the impetus for a whole different movement of music coming in and at the time it must have been painful but that right now must feel like to be able to look back on that and know that you went yeah now you fucking get it you didn't get it yeah. now you get it. What, that must feel good uh yeah i mean you know i think you know it's like baptism by fire so to speak, um, you know, you you have to understand that when I was doing the first record, it it was in itself perceived as not going to be something that people would like. I mean, I wow. pretty much have heard that all the all my life. So, Urban Hang Suite was written like maybe seven years before it was even released. 
um, I had made up a mock-up of the title and I'd written out this whole thematic idea about what I wanted it to be. I didn't have all the songs yet, but I did have Till the Cops Come Knocking. I had um, a bit of Ascension. I had a bit of something, something. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it just took the right elements of working with Stuart Matthewman, you know, of Charday, you know, working with my longtime friend and brother, Hot David, who, you know, loved punk music, rock music. Most of my collaborators were, they weren't trying to make an R&B record. We just loved records and music. And, and, and luckily, I was able to sign with Columbia and work with Mitchell Cohen, who was very much within that realm you know he had interviewed bob marley for spin magazine one time oh, wow. um and and then worked at <clears throat> arista and then was hired as like the senior a and r um at columbia and he just said max just make the record you want to make and and that's a very unique thing to to experience because most artists are told what to sing how to look how to the whole thing is completely orchestrated so i was i was very very you know um fortunate in that in that regard you know to to be allowed to be myself um so we keep trying with that <laughs> and thinking about the second album embryo like the front cover of that was such an amazing photograph of you kind of underwater and it when i first met you i remember actually it sort of came to me like image in my head like it really stuck with me like how confident were you with the whole kind of you know, projecting what you wanted to with the visuals. Because I know, having been a friend of yours, how seriously you take it. And I've <laughs> seen, you know, you even preparing the Black Summer's Night, the second um, album, the second part of that when we first met. Yeah, yeah. Preparing a tour. And you were so detail-orientated about every single aspect, from the lighting to the videos to, to everything. But how confident was that journey for you? Well, you know, Mario Sorrenti shot that, that campaign. And, yes. you know, it's Mario Sorrenti. So you just... You put a blindfold on and you just do. But how did that collaboration come to? How did you meet him to do that? Well, I was just obsessed with his photos. So, um, you know, for me, he was someone that, you know, epitomized, you know, artistic integrity. Uh, So I think we lived in the same neighborhood in the city. I was in Tribeca at the time. And uh, and we met and I was elated when he said yes, that he wanted to do it. You know, I still live in this place inside of myself where I don't feel like I'm, and I'm just being really, really honest and, and vulnerable right now. I don't really feel that I'm deserving, even though the on stage, it's extremely confident looking and it seems like, yeah, you know, he knows he's the shit or whatever, but it's, yeah. that's completely the opposite is going on inside. So I'm, I was so excited that someone as accomplished as he was, 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 was happy to do this album and he understood from listening to the music that we needed to make it very wet, make it very water, make it. And he just applied so much of his, um, yeah, I know him to this day. And like, I'm like, man, thank you for doing that shoot. So for me, I think I had the shield of creativity and artistry around me. So when the critics who are pretty much expecting a certain thing, which is always usually a very bad thing Mm -hmm. with anything is having expectation of what you expect someone to be versus then allowing them to be who they're trying to become. Um, You know, you can't really, uh, you can't really uh, win that battle, but I am pretty bullish about what I like to do. So I was I was so detailed about what I was trying to get across that even though it wasn't received at the time the way that I would have probably wanted to or maybe you know the the, the powers that be wanted to 
I was clear about what I was trying to convey here. And if it was going to take 20 years, which it took 20 years for people to go, hey, you know, this was actually pretty not such a bad album, um, <clears throat> you know, then fine. You know, I'm willing to wait. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So so, the art, so, how much do, which we're talking about the, the visuals you had then of that photographer, but how much has art kind of fed into your lyrics and into your music, like the visual arts? Mm. Uh, you know, I, I would say that movies for sure uh-huh. uh, play a big role in, in inspiring me. Um, obviously, you know, real real current events play a major role uh, as well and as, it, as it does for all things. Um, but I think more than anything, the, the culture of, of, of doing something that is not supposed to be something you're supposed to be knowing or doing. I remember when the first record came out and I went to London and I was so excited to come to London because I was like, it was just something I saw in movies and I was just like, is, is, is it really real? So I get to London and everyone thinks that I'm English because of the way the album looked and sounded. <clears throat> and I'm like, no, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> you know, I'm as, uh, I'm as basic as it gets. Uh, not that, you know, that, you know, I'm not trying to like, you know, um, uh, allude that there's an elitism to, uh, to, to being English or being from Britain. There is. But, you, know, <laughs> <laughs> you can allude to that. Yeah, we're arrogant. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember kind of people thinking that it, it just didn't feel American to them what wow. Urban Hang Suite was because the cover was, I wasn't on the cover, which was a huge battle as well. Uh, why don't you want to be on the record cover? This is how we do things. And I was like, I just think that it should look like a jazz cover, like an old school Miles Davis thing. Put the title on there, put the record song, put the titles of the songs on there and and let people, you know, get into it over, mm-hmm. let them discover it. I think the, the whole beating people over the head with the obvious um, is something that like I can't do because I have so much respect for the human ear, whatever the color that ear is. I have so much respect for its ability to understand and translate what it's hearing to its spirit and then whatever that does outside in in the world. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's how I walk into songs, respecting that we are that emotionally advanced, internally at least. And and believing in word of mouth. It feels like word of mouth is the most important sort of review for you. Yeah, that was that was a that was a big deal. But you know, the great part of that, and and I'm I'm sure most of the artists that you guys cover can will, will concur, is is that you know when you have the foundation of an audience that has found you versus an audience that's been sold to you or yeah, that yeah. you've been you know marketed so precisely to a particular audience, that audience grows up, and they have no memory of you. But the audience that found you and told their friend about you and, you know, I don't know, went to their first rave or whatever it is that they did and you were part of that experience, that audience somehow gets nostalgic and wants to bring you back into their life or keep you in their life. And being a huge fan of Sharday and being a huge fan of people like Marvin Gaye and, and Al Green, I said to myself, you know, if, if, if I could construct any... Um, if I can construct any kind of uh, path uh, at the tender age of 21, that's the path I, w- I would like to walk. And, and, and look, I didn't know that it could even be that if it was going to be that. I just knew that these were my heroes. 
um, these are these are the people that made me excited about music, and and it wasn't overnight for them. <clears throat> you know, even looking at Al Green interviews and finding out that, you know, he had "I'm So Tired of Being Alone," mm-hmm. and he had that as a record for about five years, and no one paid him any attention. Wow. Uh, and and he ended up, you know, so it, it, I think it's all about faith and belief and and you know a certain kind of confidence but not an arrogance within yourself about the tradition that you're trying to uphold that will pull you through and carry you out to the end of whatever it is that you're trying to get to wow i mean i i've always found with your records though max like if you listen to them all like there's such an evolution but you've always stuck to to what what matters to you, you know, in that moment. And like when we first met, I remember driving to Freeze in <clears throat> some fancy car with you. It was hilarious. <laughs> and you, you were still finishing off the recording of um, Black Summer's Night, the second one. And we listened to um, All the Ways That Love Can Feel, or All the Ways Love Can Feel, mm. really loud, like down the kind of highway, you know, to Randall's Island. It was quite a drive. It was like a, I don't know, 14-minute drive or something. And some of the other songs. But I remember just hearing it and feeling like... This record is a classic. Like this is a timeless, timeless classic. And, 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 and you know, I've got a feeling. You know, give it another ten years, that will still. You know what I mean? Like it will ha- have a new life. Like they're amazing records. Well, when you listen to the Bee Gees and you love the Bee Gees as much as I do, do you love the Bee Gees? I have to say, there is that they, the, the songwriting. You know, how deep is your love? Is just, it's a masterpiece of writing. Um, and there's so many other songs that they have. But then, you know, just on a general level, um, you know, David Byrne, um, oh, yeah. Kate Bush, um, yes. you know, just obviously Sade, because, uh, you know, Dolly Parton, you know, people like Willie Nelson, um, James Brown. Um, I just feel like the wonderful thing for me, especially coming to London and being a huge fan of the British um scene in, in music, you know, people like Omar, Misha Paris, um, Soul to Soul. Uh, these were the these were the the, the 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 muses for me. You know, it was 1991 and Soul to Soul was the hugest thing ever. And it was all these like guys and these girls and dreads and stuff and they were just so fly about everything. And it, I think we all fell off our chair, as you guys would say, when, you know, uh, these African faces had British accents. <laughs> I'm sorry, but to this day, I, I can't get over that, that, that amazing treat to just, to just see that soul can be in any aspect and can come in any form mm. and that it doesn't discriminate at all. And I think that from that understanding, that, that that's where I come from. I come from a global sense that we all have the same feelings, no matter the location, no, no matter the, the the geography of where we're we're from, that that we all share the same uh, aspirations and desires, and you know, uh, regrets <laughs> probably. Yeah. Well, you're talking about the Bee Gees, though. What I loved about the Bee Gees is that they how that much they embraced the falsetto, how they yes. made that kind of like they owned that falsetto and. For me, one of your most powerful songs is when you covered Kate Bush's single, uh, This Woman's Work. And it's all the up there. It's all in your head voice. But it's the most beautiful, 
beautiful cover I've ever heard in my life and is up there as one of my favorite go-tos. Again, we're completely all up in your ass here. And uh, <laughs> what, what did you like flex with Kate Bush about that? Was there like some conversation? How did that come about? And obviously you're a Kate Bush fan as we all are and you've grown up with yeah. that and that's the sound. But did you actually have any sort of interaction with her personally? Um, well, of course I asked her for, for permission yeah. and I, and I, I, I told her why I wanted to do it. You know, when I was nine years old, I heard that song in a movie called she's having a baby. And I don't even yeah. think I, yeah, it was, it was a Kevin Bacon movie. I, I, unfortunately I feel bad. I can't remember who was starring with yeah. it. I was too young to know. I just knew that it was part of the commercial on TV. And I remember hearing the first notes. Uh, that you hear on that song. And I thought, if a song could cry, that's exactly how it would sound. And 20 years later, MTV Unplugged, um, we'd love you to do the MTV Unplugged. You know, the way we work, the format is do your songs and pick a cover. Um, I was told to do a lot of Al Green, you know, because with the whole Neo Soul movement, it was like, just this was what's going to make sense. And I was like, well, there's this song that's always stuck with me. And it's been written by this amazing woman named Kate Bush, who I don't, I know all of her music. I don't just know that song, Running Up yeah. That Hill. I mean, you asked me about it, I know. <clears throat> you know, she's not even just a songwriter, producer, musician. She dances, she I think directed some of her stuff. Mm. I mean, she's just an all around universe of art in her own, in her own right. Um, but the reason why I chose that song was because I, I wanted to create a bridge between what a, what women feel and what men feel about women. And, you know, picking the falsetto was a way to, to say, you know, I don't really understand how hard it is to be what you are and to, to go through what you go through, especially with childbirth and all of the misogynistic stuff that happens to women throughout the years. But as a man, I would love to be able to show you that I'm trying, you know? And so that was really the, the impetus of, of what created that song. But I got an amazing letter from her, very brief um, uh, written thing, which is of course framed, yes. of course. Wow. Yes, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Robert. There's no way that I'm giving that up. That's gonna always <laughs> stay with me. Can we get and a picture just... of it though for the feed? And she, uh, you know, it's in storage right now because I had to, I had to move um, because of the COVID nineteen thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it. She just said you, you sang the song so beautifully. Love Kate. You know, it was a very simple, oh you know, thing. And and that made it made such a difference to me because I, I just couldn't, you know, that song is so beautiful that to not give it the respect mm. that that it deserves as a song and to not show respect to the to to the to the composer, um, you know, I was I was on pins and needles waiting to see what she thought. And when yeah. I got that letter, I was like, I will yeah. definitely be going to heaven. After them them sort of things you you hark back to being nine. I have the moments where I'm like, I wanted the, like you manifest something, and the years happen. Years later, it happens, and you're like, wow, if I could just look at me now and look back at that kid and go. You're you're going to end up covering her song on MTV Unplugged. You're going to do you know what I mean? It's like you you must have had that moment of like, that's pretty flipping cool. Yeah, I I, I still to this day can't believe what I experience each day. Um, you know, it's I'm sure with you as well. I'm I'm, I'm sure when you're walking around and people are like, oh damn, that's 
you know, yeah. and you, you just don't <laughs> even know how you're affecting people and how you're, mm. you're touching people. And I think, I think with you, Robert, you know, the same thing with your, with your music and with like all the stuff that you've shown me, you know, remember we would look at all these new artists that you were like, Hey, I'm interested in this person. I'm interested in this person. I'd be like, yeah, I like I this one. I like that one. I like this one. Um, well, I remember and- sitting with you on the rooftop of um, Soho house in meatpacking where they've got that pool. And we spent a few afternoons hanging out there for some reason. And, um, I had I got given this book by um, by a, a curator in New York that I knew, and she just put this show on. And you took the book, and we were like scrolling by the pool. And I remember you very distinctly saying to me, "Now this artist is a great artist." <laughs> and at that point, I'd never seen her work, never heard of her, and it was Nina Chanel Abney. And I remember taking stock, looking at the work, and being like, "Yeah, you're right." And then I ended up contacting her and meeting her, and she's gone on to become—I don't know if you know this—but in the last five years, she's become one of the biggest artists in the world. Yeah. Like, and at that point, she was completely unknown. Probably the first time, first time her work had been published in a book. Did you go to meet her then, Rob? I didn't know you went and met her. So, how, what, what yeah, happened? I met her. I had, I had a breakfast meeting with her and Carl in New York, in, in Soho House, actually. I think the following trip, or maybe six months later or something. But, um, yeah, we were talking about making prints and things, but then she ended up signing with Pace and doing all the stuff that she's done. Jack Shaman, she's oh. No, but for prints. Oh, for the Pace prints, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. But anyway, Max, it just proved to me that you have an You have art. taste. <laughs> Spotting yeah. great art. But you collect. You like her work now, you don't collect, you? collect, don't you, Max? Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, I, I'm, I'm primarily, I like, what you would call pedestrian art. So if I go to Mexico, if I get myself over, when I used to be able to travel, when we used to be able yeah, to yeah. travel, <laughs> um, you know, I'll just find like the, 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 I wouldn't say the kitschiest thing, but just something that's tied to some story um, of someone, you know, just, they just do it cause they love it. They have no concept yeah. that what they're doing could, could, could be at, you know, in the Louvre or any of these places. They just have like that absolute um, innocence to why they do it. Yeah. But then, uh, you know, I collect things that are, you know, that everybody gets and, but I, I kind of balance both of them, you know, I, I, it's almost like the stock market, you know, you know, just cause everyone's, you know, buying, you know the yeah you know you just want to get things that seem a bit more practical and that also more than anything reflect what you like inside of uh, about yourself inside uh, about yourself yeah. if that makes any yeah, sense totally. I'm, I'm always gravitated towards things that you know sort of tickle the, the the inner like wow feeling and and you know like i always feel like there is art is really one thing just like love is um so you know you act, you write, um, you do movies, you know, you sing, you, you, uh, you know, bring light and shine light to, to, to artists, uh, who are painters and prints or whatever. Um, but I feel like it's all the same thing in different languages, you know? And if you can get that feeling inside of you about something, watching a movie, watching a film, reading a book, uh, looking at a painting, listening to a song, it's all the same feeling, but it's just, delineated in different ways um i always find that a genuine authentic art collection is a projection it's basically a self-portrait it's basically if you're really following your instincts and going like i am drawn to that i need to have that around me it says Mm -hmm. something about yourself so what what are you drawn to you drawn to figuration or text-based works or like like neon or what or colors is this can you look at what you've got and think oh actually there's actually a theme that runs through you definitely like text because I remember um, 
you're friends with Massimo Agostinelli, and also you love Tracy Emmons Neons, don't you? Abs- you yes, yes. I remember when you said that you that you worked with her. <laughs> that's yeah. that's when I was like, okay, <laughs> hi, what's up? That's when the that's when the networker and me, the the the, the Brooklyn Knight, you know, came like out. Discount, but, yeah. You know, <laughs> no, 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 no. There is. Yeah, there, there, there will never be a discount. <laughs> I'm very aware of this. Um, but yeah, we ended up meeting. We ended up That's meeting funny. the amazing Tracy Emin, and we went to. I think we went to the Whitney. Yes, uh, we did. Man. We went to the Whitney. I'm so bougie. I'm so we bougie. They're going to listen to this and that go. That was really quiet. I feel like we had it to ourselves or something. It was really strange. Yeah. It was really empty, wasn't what it? What was on? Was it like Steve McQueen or something at that time? Steve McQueen was on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and that was amazing. I mean, yeah, yeah. we've had. But some you knew times, her work you know? before you met Rob. You knew knew of Trace Simmons' work. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Where had you seen absolutely. it? How did how did you come about it? I mean, it was just it was pretty much in a lot of places. Right. Uh, friends, my friends of mine, you know, would have these amazing hyperbolic, you know, sentences that never that just sort of went on and on, and you could just like put it in your mind what is, does she mean? You know, because there's so many different ways that you could take uh, these phrases and, and, and the amazing um, execution of the neon, how it was like absolutely looked just like, like a perfect script. And of course you see all the copycats, you know, and you're like, is that really Tracy? No, that's not Tracy. That's not Tracy. I, mean, I remember that, saying that to me. You were like, you were like, she's got so many people copying her because she's a genius. Yeah. And like, it's so out of order, like all these awful ones that are out there now. But the truth is you're right. Cause you can always tell when it's a Tracy Neon because it's so profound. And I remember you telling her about you writing songs as well and how like, you know, writing lyrics and looking at her work that somehow it was kind of inspiring or something. Very much so, because like when you look at the, um, when you look at Embrya and you look at the titles and you look at just like even, I think that's what really pissed people off is that it just didn't really have that beginning, middle and end feeling that some songs, you know, when's the bridge coming in? We need that solo at this point in time. Sometimes I put the solo in the beginning, I'd start the song with the solo, uh, begin with the chorus and end with the verse. You know, it was it was my opportunity to sort of like, you know, break away from the formulary formulaic um, expectation that people wanted, and 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 kind of like Beastie Boys did with um, Paul's Boutique. I just I wanted a sophomore record that was not like the first record because I knew that it was going to hopefully, fingers crossed. I was like, if I do this right, this will extend my ability to actually go back to even the first type of of thing that people like and they won't get a sense of oh that's the one trick that's what he does on to the next one kind of thing um but yeah i i I would see tracy's work in so many ways but it was really instagram because it was funny how many people would take photos of of her work and Mm. and post them um and uh you know, hopefully, with NFT being in the world right now, <laughs> uh, she, you know, she'll be in a different place in terms of just copyright infringement. Which I'm a huge advocate of protecting artists' rights and protecting, because if you protect artists' rights, then you get better art. You know, yes. if uh, if the art can just be vandalized, taken, used, redistributed with no consideration to the source or the creator, then the bar of what we get lowers and lowers and lowers and lowers. Yes. So um, 
And you must have seen all that with like Napster and then, you know, digital music and how that whole yeah. shift happened. It must have been quite devastating at one point. The stealing music. Yeah, I mean, you know, it is what it is. You just have to kind of go with it. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, the tech companies were rising. Uh, there were no regulations. Um, no one was, you know, no one was looking at it and saying, oh, well, how is this going to affect the psyche of people? I think mm -hmm. that, you know, when we do innovate, I think we should definitely take into consideration how will that affect the people and the kids that are coming up? You know, unfortunately, with social media, as much as it connects many people, it's created a lot of um, feelings of um, not being good enough for a lot of kids, a lot of suicides. People are looking at these lives and they're just thinking, oh, yeah, you know, um, I'm not good enough. I don't have that shirt. I can't go on that vacation. Uh, this is something that we would never see. We only knew what we knew from three blocks down, four blocks on the other way. Um, and we were happy with what little we had with the, with the, you know, with the whole social media phenomenon, we got to look into lives that um, we probably shouldn't have because now everyone's more focused on what, someone else has versus on what they can have and what they can ultimately become. I'm sure people look at your work, Russell, and they're like, wow, he's probably got it great, but they don't understand. That was like eight hours in the rain for 10 takes of one. Oh, you know what I mean? They don't it's miserable, really... Max. It's, I wouldn't wish this stuff <laughs> on anyone. No, I know you're saying it's FOMO and compare and despair. It's like something that's taken over everyone. Mm -hmm. are, you a, are you a regular museum goer normally, like when we're not all in this weird world? Are you someone that kind of frequents museums? And can you remember your first museum you ever went to? Oh, yeah. Um, man. Uh, I mean, it had something to do with dinosaurs. Yes, because that's kind of pretty much the first museum you'll ever go to is something with something with natural history usually. Yeah. What is that in New York? Because I've never done that in New York. Oh, it's amazing! Uh, it's Upper West Side, it's, the Natural History Museum there. But then they've got like the space thing, and there's a big T Rex in there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Really? I've never done that. I need to do that next time I go to New York. Oh, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Come down to our level and come. Do <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I did that, and you know, I remember going to see. Uh, Alexander McQueen's uh, last, the last day of his show, um, which was amazing. I think it was like more sold out than even the Mona Lisa. Um, Cause I was, I, I loved his clothing and I loved his sensibility. And I did, I, th I thought he was just one of these um, artists that, yeah, he designed clothes, but he was coming from a higher uh, spiritual place and clothing and, and, and stitching and tailoring just happened to be the avenue that that he walked through. And I feel in many instances, um, most of the great artists that I think I respect, um, it just happens to be a slice of their spirit. And they've just found a way to sort of um, hone or, or, or focus themselves through that craft. But, but the entity that they represent is fully, uh, could, it, they can touch on so many things if they want to. Um, so yeah, I, 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 yeah, I went to see that show. That was, that was a beautiful experience to see that kind of, um, I mean, wow. Was it I at mean, the Met? Was it it was Met? at the Met. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I remember we went, I went with a few friends of mine and they were like, why do you want to go to see this thing? And I'm like, uh, cause it's 
what it is. It just is what it is. So I've seen the Bowie um, exhibit. I've wow. seen the Prince exhibit in Amsterdam. Wow. I remember I got I got a chance to go see that by myself, which is like, wow. Like, <clears throat> I, I I was there. I had a show that I had to do, and it was just opening for the first two days or something like that. And I, I didn't have that much time, so they were kind enough to let us go in and see it. I mean, I'm a huge yeah. Prince fan. Well, you got, you Clearly, called, you can hear it. You got called the next Prince in Vibe magazine. There was a review <laughs> that someone called you the next Prince. Did you ever meet him or or have any interaction? Yeah, <gasps> yeah, yeah. We 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 would we we would have. Uh, you know, it was interesting with 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 Prince because, <clears throat> I mean, my first meeting with him. I remember when I met him. I had to be, I think I was 23 years old and I'm 47 now. And I remember just like seeing him walk in and, and I just said, you know, you're God, right? And he just looked at me and said, no, God is God, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And it was, it was literally a fanboy moment that I couldn't even, it was one of those things that people, and I kind of understand now what I was being to him because sometimes people say the craziest things to me. And, and now I understand they don't necessarily mean it in a weird way it's just this it's just a knee-jerk reaction that they're experiencing be it positive or negative because you know we get both sides of all of it um but throughout the course of 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 my career i would i would see him here and there and um he was always encouraging but i was always very mindful of the fact that he was prince Mm -hmm. and that there would never be another prince and that you know he unlocked the doors for me in terms of you know, you know, just not not creating within the box. I think his in, his indignant sort of attitude about, well, I did that on the last album. I'm going to do something else. That was very inspiring for me to see someone of color coming from a place. You know, it, it just like for me, I was always very aware of respecting those that came before me. I I, I didn't walk in the door trying to you know think that I was going to replace. These, these these ancestors, these teachers, these guides. Didn't you do a tribute to Prince after he passed away? Because I think that's around when we met as well. I remember you and Nicole Scherzinger talking about it or something. Didn't we hang out with her somewhere? It was like the weirdest things that happened with us. Yeah, we did. We, you know, I was involved in a charity that was, uh, I'm still kind of a part of this charity. It, 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 helps, um, it, it helps Haiti, which is Haiti, by the way. Hashtag free Haiti. Which is where, where you're... Um... Where your mum is from, no? Yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we were there and there was like this event. I think I, you, we were at this, all of us were at the same table and all these people were there and, you know, we were raising a lot of money to kind of help students kind of get education there. And there's an audio institute there. There's a music institute. There's a, a film institute there. Um, so we were just trying to do what we do every day, every year. Um, throughout the course of my career, probably quietly donated like a dollar or two dollars per ticket to various organizations. I don't necessarily tell people what they are because I'd rather just do the work than show off that I'm doing the work kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I had a chance to do a tribute for him and I did Nothing com- Nothing Compares to You on BET. Mm. Yes. Um, that was, it, that was That was literally the year when, you know, when he had passed. And I remember I'd seen him maybe a month before he passed away. And there was a club that my friend Noah Tepperberg owns called Avenue. 
And I got a phone call. I was doing the photo shoot for Black Summer's Night 2016, second installment. And I get it, you know, you, with Prince, you would always get a call from a very beautiful girl, like, hi. And oh, by the way, Prince is in town. He's doing this. And it starts at this time. And that's kind of how you ran into Prince. There's like four people would call you a security person. Um, the mailman, I don't know. It just he just had this <laughs> omnipotent ability to kind of find you and get you to be where he wanted you to be. And you were happy to be there considering the legacy that he represents and what he has done to make it easier for so many African American artists be whatever they want to be, you know? He's just uh you know, I miss him every single day. Uh, we're lucky to, to have the music, to always be able to play the music, but the energy, um, the the, sarc- the sarcasm, <laughs> um, the, the, the generosity too, you know, because, you know, unbeknownst to a lot of people, you know, he would do shows at the Forum. Uh, I think he did seven shows at the Forum just to keep it open in L.A., you know, he did so many different things like that that you mm-hmm. didn't know about. Um, mm-hmm. He just genuinely had a kind heart. And mm-hmm. without a doubt, he loved music, 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 music. And he was the first first artist to fight for artists' rights. He was the first person in the 90s to tell people to get their masters. We all didn't even understand what he meant. And yeah. as he was watching the, the new brigade of, of, of artists come through, he would always say, do you own your masters? Do you own your masters? Do you know what that yeah. means? He was the first person to to go online on the internet and sell his music direct to his fans online in 1993. So, I mean, yeah. beyond just the music, this is a mind that is, like I said, you know, with, with artists like Tracy and, 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 and so many artists that I like, that they're, they're more than just the thing that we know them for. They're mm. absolute philosophies you know, in the flesh. Mm. And actually, you, you've kind of taken that torch forward in a sense of the, with the activism side of things, because I feel like you've done so much for different charities around the world, but even recently with your sunglasses, which I have to say I've purchased love. for numerous people, including Catherine Bernhardt, the artist that you love, and um, uh, Max, I know you like her work a lot. And actually, you wanted to get a commission by her with your mouthwash in it. I've just remembered. That would have been a portrait of you. Have your own mouthwash, Max? Yes, yes. There's a there's a particular mouthwash. It's not alcohol. There's no alcohol in it, <laughs> mm. and mm. it's. Uh, I think a lot of opera singers use it because, like, the guy who uh, he's like a, a physician to a lot of singers, um, and he was like, "This is the thing you need." And there's a whole process before getting on stage. You know, there's um, you know the cold sweat. And there's the being dragged, kicking and screaming before you get on stage. And then there's the mouthwash. <laughs> where, where does the pasta come in? Don't you have like a really creamy pasta as well before you go on stage? Good one. You're so good. Where did you get your details? Is that rigatoni alfredo or something? How did you down? <laughs> You've done his research. Oh, my God. You got me. There's me trying to talk about activism and Russell Tovey straight into the pasta. Rigatoni Alfredo. <laughs> I just want to mention this this charity you were talking about, which is APJ, which is Artists for Peace and Justice, which serves low-income families in Haiti through education, healthcare and arts programs. Mm. And the more recent one is um, for Vision Council with State Optical, the opticians. And Max Oz actually designed and modelled as well his own um, glasses and the money raised from it helps um, young black and 
people of color, is that right? Yeah, black to... and brown communities, primarily black and brown communities to, um, to, to learn optometry, which gives them their ability to have their own practice, not just be an eye doctor, but literally your own practice. You can design yep. your own glasses. So we've already raised that money. 20 students will be eligible. There's a line out the door. We just want to make sure that they actually want to be in optometry and not just want yeah. to get a free education. <laughs> so there's yeah. a whole vetting process that's happening right now. But, you know, being a person that wears sunglasses and needs glasses, um, uh, and I thought mm, this would be a good thing to do. And one of my friends um, who you know, which she does not want me to say her name on this podcast at all, but you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> we'll keep about. her secret. I do know you who know, you're talking She about. was like, you don't have a pair of sunglasses? And I said, no. She goes, you should do a pair. And I said, I, only problem with doing these things is that it's all a vanity thing. And people just are trying to like, you know, if it can't do something for someone or for the community, there's no point for me. She goes, I got the mm -hmm. perfect place for you. It's called State. The guy is Nicholas Rosselier, and he is gonna, he's a huge fan too. He knows your work. And I was like, okay, let's go. And then we met, and I think it was about a year and a half ago we met, and uh, we put the glasses together, and uh, we have a second drop happening as well so that we can get another 20 students into um, the field of vision and optometry. So you were actually the person that introduced me to a young artist's work who's actually just done an, a film with Google as well on this topic. Um, called Amani Lewis. My friend who who's at Google, she was like, hey, you know, we have to do this thing and we just need a really good artist to be able to sort of paint the uh, businesses in, in the mm. products and what have you. But Amani yep. Lewis um, <clears throat> was uh, just, you know, one of, it was amazing because uh, you know, I saw the commercial. I'm like, this works amazing. To understand where your money's going to and not to mention to, to assist in, in, in small businesses, which truly have suffered you know, a major blow yeah. uh, with, yes. the, with the whole pandemic situation. So yeah, yeah, yeah. these are the forces so of light at work. Yeah. yeah. So talking about sunglasses, how many pairs of sunglasses have you, glasses have you got? <laughs> oh, man. I, I want to answer, but then I, I don't want to get canceled. Please do. It's so good. <laughs> how many pairs, Max? How many pairs? Like more than more than 100? More than a hundred, for sure. Less wow. than a thousand. Definitely not less than a thousand. <laughs> not less. Not less than a thousand. Okay, look, I'm 47 years old. I've been collecting sunglasses <laughs> since I was like 19. So come on. So what is it about the sunglasses? What is it? And, and you see them as a collection now, like you hold on and archive all of your shades. I mean, you look. I guess I got it from Elton John. I don't know. I would say <laughs> Sir Elton John. Um, yeah. He's also a previous talk guest. Oh, is he? Oh, yeah, he yes. is. Hey, Elton, how are you? Um, I, I remember meeting Elton with uh, Ingrid Sishi, who was the reason why I was on the cover of Interview Magazine. And I, she, I remember she called me up. God, God rest her soul. She was such a such a such a, a, a light and an encouraging mm -hmm. force to my energy and 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 my my self esteem. You know, because I remember feeling like the odd man out, especially in in that time in the in the nineties. With the crazy hair and and wearing the flowery shirts, and now that's like so normal <laughs> when you look mm -hmm. around. But at the time, it was like you know I remember going to colleges and kind of you know getting jeers from certain people here and there. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, um, yeah, I have a few. I have a few things. I mean, I like them. I put prescription in them. You know, it's my way of cheating and not looking like you know the guy that can't see. Um, 
I, I know <laughs> I could use contacts and that would be easier, but I did have an experience on stage where I was wearing contacts. One of them came out. I was in the middle of a song. I had one eye closed. Oh my God. I'll never do it again, ever. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's horrible. Yeah, it was really bad. Cause, oh, Because no. I'm, I'm literally doing a ballad and, like, the contact had flipped and gone somewhere and I had to get through it. Was somewhere in your eye? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. God. Yeah, stick to the shades. But the shades and the suit are your identity. You're, you, when you perform, you always wear a suit. What is it about the suit specifically that you've been drawn to to kind of project yourself out there when you're performing? You know, I just, I think in contrast to what I see or what I saw as a kid, um, you know, I, I, I felt like the, you know, if, if it's so simple. If people have made plans to see you, um, I don't know, they've gotten babysitters, they've taken off work, or I just feel you should dress up for them. That's just, it's, that's that simple. Um, mm. You know, if they're going to take time out of their lives and and not just listen to you on the radio or to not just, um, you know, stream you now, or, you know, it, it's a commitment when someone goes to go see you. I'm, I'm sure you've done, you know, plays and stuff, and it's, it's a completely different ball game. Uh, mm. When you see an audience that took the time to get up to reserve their energy and their time, because time is so important. The fact that someone wants to give you their time deserves a certain respect. And, and I feel like just in, in the old um, way that I looked at people like Al Green and Marvin Gaye and um, even Prince, you know, maybe not his dirty mind phase, you know, because he was pretty much, <laughs> you know... <clears throat> in underwear, <laughs> you know, and a, <laughs> and a trench coat. But, you know, he he even sort of evoked that sense of like, you know what, look clean, look look together, because it's a special thing that these people have come to see you and mm. and you need to show them that that you are grateful about that. So that's kind oh, of like a rat, rat pack energy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember going to see you at Wembley when you did that gig with Mary J. Blige and it was the two of you. I think you did like a joint headline tour. Wow. It was incredible. And you invited me so generously and I had the best seats in the house. It was insane. And I was with some of the Sade's band, actually. It was a really cool crew of us. 
And my, our friend Zoe Badeau as well came and a few different people. But um, I remember just watching your fans and just thinking, like, they are so, like, in love with you. It's like, you know, I can imagine why you would want to, like, be your best. That You know what I mean? Like, it's an incredible energy that, that you're presented with. You know how I sort of keep my head together, meaning keep the humility going, is I, I, I think they love the music, right? Mm. And I love the tradition of this music. And that's a whole other person. And the person I am, they may not really like that person. <laughs> but, you know, maybe they will, maybe they won't. But yeah. I mean, in some it's ways... It's not guaranteed, is it? Yeah. It's not, you know, and sometimes yeah. it's hard because you wonder, will you ever live up to whatever people think? And it's very difficult to live up to what a song has made someone feel like for like the last 15 years. Right. Um, it's a lot of pressure. I find that I'm, I, I get along best with people who don't know what I do or haven't heard of me. And mm. it's a lot more relaxed for me. Um, yeah. But like, I'm sure with you, Russell, you know, when people see you on screen and, you know, you're a completely different personality than the personality that you're portraying, it must be kind of like, wait, you're not, you're not like acting like this, this character right now. And you're like, because yeah. I was acting. <laughs> not that yeah. I'm acting on stage, but... Yeah, they believe you are that character or something. Yeah, yeah you know, it's not that... Yeah, I'm not I know, the... there's, there's nothing you can... You're not inside someone's head, so there's nothing you can do about it, and you can only take people at face value. And I understand what you're saying when you feel more comfortable with someone where they're not, either they are, do know what you do and they're not completely phased at all, and that's genuine friendship, you know, or or they're just or they're just mean. If that's some, if it's a stranger, or <laughs> or they, me. I'm or they, really <laughs> <mean>. <laughs> that's you, or they, or they, or, or when you have them experiences where they, there is no agenda when you're being spoken to because there's no like oh hang on they don't because there's something that happens as artists is that you get put on a pedestal that you don't want to be put on i've never wanted to be like put above someone and there is a thing that when you are in the public eye or you're a performer that people do end up putting you a, a, above them and then that it makes for uncomfortable energies like interactions i found so it's always nice when someone's really comfortable in their own skin to talk to you on a level max can we talk about harry belafonte Yes, where do you want to start? So it's just been his 94th birthday, hasn't it? And can you talk about the influence on him, of, of him in your life? Because he's such an icon. You know, he, he, I remember, it's so funny, my art teacher, out of all the teachers, right? Literally the art teacher. The art teacher was like, um, it was my favorite class, by the way, just to be really honest about it. Because um, it was a class that had nothing to do with homework and studying and memorizing anything. It was literally... Let's study comics. Let's study, you know, whatever. And I remember my art teacher said to me, um, you know, you, you remind me of a young Harry Belafonte. And I didn't know who this man was. I went home mm -hmm. and I asked um, a family member and I said, like, who's Harry Belafonte? And they were like, this is Harry Belafonte. And he was probably on the cover of Essence as he was numerous times during the 80s. And I just looked at him and I thought, wow. And it's funny, Russell, because this goes back to your 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 previous question about the suit. I saw this man looking so chic, mm. you know. And I'm living in Brooklyn, and you know everybody's kind of into graffiti, and it's a whole different time, right? And I'm thinking to myself, this is a black man that is still a black man, but that commands a certain. <clears throat> 
how would you say, a je ne sais quoi. I don't know what to say. It's just yeah. like he had an appeal, and I just looked at that, and and it was it was almost like probably the the seeds that you know were were beginning within me. So fast forward to this present day moment, and I'd seen this man. I mean, I think I went to the Met Gala. Um, for the first time when I was 23 years old. And I remember I was sitting across from a very young Natalie Portman. And wow. this is like probably before she did The Professional. And and I'm sitting there and I don't know if, why, do I, why am I here? I don't even understand the gravity of what's happening to me and what's been, what's happening. So I'm just sitting there quiet again, hoping that someone doesn't not say, hey, you don't belong here. Um, this is not your seat. Because literally I always feel like that. It's very strange. Um, and I saw him walk in. And so I think there were five occasions when I saw Mr. Belafonte and I would just say hello to him. Um, and and then I remember that year, 2016, after, after seeing Prince, this is an incredible story. My God, I'm saying it and I'm like, wow, this was me. Woo. <laughs> um, and uh, I think he, I think Prince went to go see Mr. Belafonte maybe a day after he did his, because um, he was going to write a book on his life. So he threw a party at Avenue. Um, and then I get a call from a good friend of mine named Brian Satz, who works closely with Mr. Belafonte. And, and, and Brian was like, Mr. B wants to meet you because he saw you yesterday at the Prince thing. And, you know, you just go. When Mr. Belafonte calls, that's like, you know. <laughs> so I ride my bike up all the way up to where he lives because I live downtown or, you know, and he lives uptown. And I go there and I sit there and and it's the most incredible thing. You're looking at the walls and you're seeing, you know, Martin Luther King's um, speeches framed. Wow. You're looking at, you know, Paul Robeson's work. Um, I mean, he pretty much lived in a museum that was literally a home. And then when I get into the main room, there are cookies there, freshly baked cookies that his wife, Pam, made. And we just had a conversation for about two hours about social wow. justice and activism and him saying what's going on, the world needs your voice. Unbeknownst to them, I like finished the album, gone through my crazy you know, partying, drinking, hanging out, doing whatever the hell days. Um, and uh, and then he told me about Sankofa, and then he told me about um, Many Rivers to Cross and all these things that he was doing. Uh, I didn't even know that he was part of the program that allowed African students to come to Hawaii, which that mm -hmm. one African student ended up being <laughs> our former President Obama's father. And that's wow. where his father met his mother and so this and then we are the world and the whole quincy jones thing it's it's just even as i sit here and i talk to you about him um you 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 see the potential in just one man's life and how that one man's life created so many opportunities for so many people and yes. and and to the people who are listening right now i hope they know that they're just as relevant that their yes. potential is just as palpable in that regard that they can actually they can get there and there's no line between that pedestal that you you know you so eloquently expressed Russell 
we are no different from anybody that's listening. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know you've had some amazing people on this show, but I'm sure most of them will tell all the listeners or all the people who, who the two million to three million people, by the way, bravo. Thank I just you, thank you. gotta give you some love on that. You, mm-hmm. you know, that guys, you know, you, the, 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 there is no limit to what you can do. There literally isn't. Just know it now. Know it as soon as you can know it, if you can. That's pretty much it. Know it as soon as you can. And if you're lucky enough to know it early, you know, look, Morgan Freeman, Samuel Jackson, I think he got his first role when he was 50 or 40. I don't know. One of the two, it's like that. So potential can come at any point in time. There's really no rush. You don't have to be a child star to kind of have a real chance out here. But knowing that passion and knowing what really drives you, if you can know it soon, if you can know it whenever you know it, that's when life really begins. And I think that's what Mr. B, that's what we call him, Mr. B. I know it sounds really kind of thugged out, but Mr. B (laughs) um, uh, really gave me as a kid, as a six-year-old kid. I saw Mm -hmm. a man that looked like, you know, he knew stuff about wine and he knew stuff about cars and he probably read a few really cool books and he probably dated some beautiful women. That's what I, I saw someone who looked like he was uh, taking a very sort of marginalized experience as a man of color and, and making the absolute best of it and making it better for others. So, I think we take for granted the importance of role models and mentors as a kid. And also, I guess, I feel the same as you, like you found music when you were young, I found acts when I was young, having the gift of knowing what you wanted to do as a kid. I think when people don't know what they want to do as a kid, it's a, it's a, it's a harder transition into adulthood because it's like, well, where, what is my place? What is my thing? What is my USP? Mm. And that's, yeah. But I definitely have in role models, definitely try and find someone creatively that you can you know, that you can see as a mentor is really important. Totally, yeah. Who was who was your who was your role model, Robert? <clears throat> Mine, um, <clears throat> Tori Amos, Kate Bush, Madonna. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I was a real pop kid, um, I was obsessed with Lauren Hill, um, Erica Badu. In my in my teens, oh, very powerful. I used to go women. and see. I used to go and see Erica Badu live all the time. Like I think I saw her about eight times when I was a teenager in Brixton a lot. She's really? At the um, yeah, in the Brixton venue. What's it called? The Empire. The, is it the, the Empire? Empire? Brixton Empire. No, not the Empire. The Brixton Academy. Academy. Yes. I saw her live at the Brixton Academy, and there was one gig, you know, that she did where uh, I think it was Mama's Gun, and um, she was like really far back at the back of the stage, and the mic was at the front of the stage, and it was totally iconic. She like just sang a mile away from the mic and you could still hear every word. And I just remember being like, this human being is like beyond, like she is not human. You know what I mean? Like she transcends. It was almost like her voice was somehow, I mean, I love her. And I, one of my favorite records of the past few years is the, the tribute she did to Drake's song. You know, that little EP she did. It is one of the most extraordinary records. And I listened to it to kind of make me happy. You know what I mean? Like I walk on the beach here. And so, I mean, she was a big, big deal. To what me. did these women give you, Rob, then? What are these inspirational, powerful women? I think, I think they up? were doing actually what you guys are talking about, which is trying to help other people through 
being your greatest version of yourself, yeah. you know, do, doing the best you can do and by sharing your, your gift of whatever that may be with others. And, you know, you mentioned somebody then, um, Max, that brings me back quite circularly, back to us being in the Whitney, because that Steve McQueen installation that we saw of videos was actually dedicated to the story of the singer, the American, African-American singer and social crusader, Paul Robeson. And it was all about the redacted documents and the kind of investigations that went on and the FBI and how they... What's the story him. there? Do you know the story of that? It's a quite a dark story because they, they really like um, investigated him a lot and kind of put him under surveillance for a long time. I think it started in the early 1940s or something and how that kind of had these crippling effects on his health and, um, you know, really was incredibly unfair and in, But he unjust. was an activist. He was a, like a protesting activist. Oh, yeah. I mean, he debated with Stalin. What? Yes. And even Einstein, no, I think he was like connected to amazing thinkers and he was an amazing thinker. It's really crazy because Mr. B, I remember <laughs> many five times that I would go in, I, I, it's funny, I would bring him sunglasses too, by the way. Um, <clears throat> and I remember um, him t telling me about, you know, when he started acting, this is going to be a really good one for you, Russell. So just mm -hmm. fasten your seatbelts because this is so good. I'm in. I'm locked in. So um, he's like, so yeah, I'm at acting school and like Marlon Brando's there. And um, and I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, you know, Marlon Brando's there and Maud's there. And like pretty much every iconic uh, actor that was just about to be something started at this at this small academy uh, I forgot exactly what the school was, but we could probably, you guys will probably do the research and you'll be able to say and know it. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, he was just telling me about um, just his life and, and, and how unique it was for him to be in a situation. He actually brought Marlon into the, the dialogue with, um, you know, uh, with James Baldwin. Uh, I don't know wow. if you've ever seen any of those, um, uh, any of any of that footage about um, James Baldwin talking about, you know, racism and yeah, even after amazing. Course, yeah. Just around the table, the round table, just opposite someone, and yeah. yeah. So all those people were Harry Belafonte, <laughs> Marlon Brando. Um, yeah. You know, he he infused in me the responsibility. I mean, I always felt like I had it. I knew that it was part of my path. You know, having a mother coming from Haiti, you know, which is a very sort of major place in terms of just like the first African-Americans, actually Africans, Island-Americans, or I can't even say that, the first Africans that were brought to an island uh, that were free, that, that they were free in 1804. Um, and they actually took the guns from each battle and they gave it to Colombia, then to Bolivia. I, listen, I didn't know any of this. It's not something that I was told growing up. I wish I knew this. I wish yeah. I knew how special it was and mm. what it meant. And maybe it would have done something else. Maybe I would have been a little bit more. Uh, but you obviously can't look back and regret. It is what it is and it, it was what it was. And seizing the moment now, um, but I wanted to ask you, I know this is like about me talking to you guys, mm -hmm. but I actually really am curious about you and what you do, especially after seeing your work and, and going through um, all of your stuff. Um, how was it for you when you started acting? Like you said that you started when you were young, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How 10, old, 11. 
10, 11. So 10, I knew it because you just, it's, you're too good to just like, it wasn't like five years ago. Like it just the couldn't have banks. been. Well, actually there's just a, there was an advert that Russell was in when he was really young for Heinz ketchup. And it's just been voted like one of the most memorable 1990s TV adverts. And it's Russell cooking himself dinner. We're all like, where are Well, no, I cook my little brother and sister dinner from school. I pick them up and then, yeah, but then everyone's like, it's really moving. I'm like, yeah, but where, where is mum and dad? And then mum and dad turn up like a couple of hours later and dad looks really tired. And you're like, well, where are the, like what, the what's going on actually advert. looking back? Hang on. Yeah. I'm sure this isn't, this but, wouldn't but be allowed. Russ had now. it then. He had stage presence then. What do you yeah, call it? Yeah, I had something. I had something going on. That's I, funny. Go on. You started... You started doing that, right? Mm, you know, we all mm. we all start somewhere. I thought I was gonna do jingles, no lie. I did a couple jingles. They didn't make it, but Really? Do you wanna do a new jingle for Talk Art? <laughs> 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 well, considering the art uh, you know, collection that someone has, absolutely. Yeah. Let's do it. Well, let's talk about art collection. I wanna know more about your art collection, but also talking about comparing and despairing, your Dear friends with Alicia Keys and Swiss Beats who have the Dean Collection, which is one of the most really vibrant, exciting go-to collections right now. And it's growing and it's supporting and it's representing. It's like amazing. Are you like like insanely jealous and also slash inspired (laughs) by going to their house and seeing their art collection because I just see it on Instagram and I'm like salivating. <laughs> no, no, no. This, that's family. I mean, I remember when, uh, I remember when they had uh, their first child and, you know, I knew Swizz just, you know, kind of cause you know, his music and we all knew each other. And of course I love his work, but um, I remember sending him, you know, cause it was a boy, you know, it was Egypt. And I remember um, sending him cigars, you know, like literally like every type of cigar in its own little humidor thing. And <laughs> I was just like, congratulations, um, you know, because, you know, Alicia's like such a sister, such a such a such a comforting force. When, when we toured like 20 years ago, I think this is when her, her she's going she's having her 20th anniversary for her debut album this year. Wow. And I remember we toured and it was of course the year of 9-11 and the year that Aaliyah passed away and there's so much going on. And I remember I was really freaked out. I was really freaked out to even just release a record because I just come off of the Embryo thing. And even though the record debuted number one, um, you know, I just had gotten to a place inside of myself where I was like, oh man, you know, I like this. This is fun, but it's quite conditional. Um, if you know, it's it's not the it's not the most like do whatever you feel like be the most whatever art person you want to be. There are conditions to this, um, and even though I met the conditions with with the Now album that came out in two thousand one, um, I just remember her being kind of like a reassuring like um, uh, energy around me. That you know, even though she was a special guest and would go on to become who she became, um, I just remember how kind she was and how she just you know just knew that you know what you know because it is a very difficult business because there's a lot of people you have to kind of I guess pretend to like. There's a lot of like people you have to um, deal with, um, mm-hmm. not because you, you know. There's a lot of stuff, you know, you know, the politics of the art world, 
as an actor and, and, and you, Robert, as, as, a, as a person who you know, celebrates and, and promotes all these artists, there's a lot of politics. And I think I got worn down by the politics. I just wanted to feel the freedom of loving making music and not having it be this business thing. So when I see them branching out into all these new avenues of creativity, it only brings me a smile. There is absolutely no jealousy. I want them to do more. I want them to create yeah. more. And and I remember being around when when they were beginning this whole this whole um, uh, collective, so to so to speak, and and being very happy for them um, about who they got to shine light to. And and there's so many artists that now can claim um, they can actually you know ask for higher uh, you know fees because Absolutely. because she owns it because he owns it. Um, but it's an many, endorsement, yeah. Yeah, many of my friends are kind of in, involved in that, you know, like, you know, Jay-Z buys a lot of stuff and, um, you, know, you know, I'm just happy to see people getting into the art world, you know, uh, yeah. and, and, and celebrating the beauty of like not, you know, having something that one thing that's been made and, and there's only one of it, you know, it's especially in a digital world where, you know, everything can be replicated and seen. Um, and it has no real uh, substantive value to me because, I mean, I, of course, I love photography, and of course, you can replicate a bunch of photos. But then there's Cindy Sherman photos, right? So, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, the, they're not too bad. Those are pretty good. Amazing. And actually, one of the artists that Alicia Keys has supported is John Key. And the other day, I saw that you messaged him on Instagram and said, I love your work or something. And he, he texted me going like, do you know Maxwell? It was so sweet. Um, so even even you're giving people a push, a push forward, which is very sweet. I mean, you know what? I tell you, I, all those, all those uh, artists for me are opportunities for me to sort of... It's, it's like meditation, you know? I, I think mm. that the greatest work that I see even in acting, even in film and even in music, and of course in, mm. in, in the art world, it's like a small meditative moment. You know, I remember watching years and years and, you know, really getting into it and then finding myself like not aware that I was watching something. Like mm. I was absolutely lost. Lose in, yourself. Yeah, I was losing myself. And and, yeah. and when you see work um, that, that, that has that kind of excellence surrounding it, Oh my God, I always remember that installation that's like a huge room and it's got all this library and like seats maybe and sculptures and everything is white. It almost looks like a Hype Williams music video or like a Janet Jackson, you know, when they did Scream, Scream. like that amazing music video. I mean, it's still an iconic music video. Mm. And I remember we saw that somewhere and you ran into it like a big kid because that's also the other part of your personality, which is hilarious because Maxwell's got this hyper kind of energy. Um, but I remember you going into that and just being totally obsessed with it. And we took pictures of you in there, I think. What's his name? It's Hans Ope de Beek, his name is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's actually one of the... Uh, I mean, I, I don't know where you would put this, right? Where, <laughs> where do you put a, an installation that's a room itself? <laughs> I guess in a room? I don't know. I don't know yeah. what do you do. Like, is this what... Some... You need to get your own room, it's especially for that room. You commission the artist yeah. to do one of your own rooms in your house, I guess. It's called Silent Library. I just looked it up. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And, I, and because I'm such a... I love books and, and, you know, I just... It just was like... You know, and it felt like something that Stanley Kubrick would have directed or yes. would have yes. in, in a movie or something. Um, 
and but yeah. yeah to you to your to to the screen video mark romanic yes oh mark romanic yes just to give credit yes. to to mark hey mark if you're listening it's like a mark romanic yeah, mark, mark loves talk art he, he he made videos for Björk, didn't he, as well, I think, later. He was good. I, I like his work. There's him. There's, like, Michelle Gondry. There's Christopher ah, Cunningham. Um, it's funny, you know, when you look at a lot of the videos that came out of the 90s, and, of course, we were all, you and me, probably, Robert, we were obsessed with it because it was part of our whole music thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. To be yeah. able to sort of partner a song with the visual and, you know, how can we get art involved in, in all of this? And you look at, like, a photographer like Sado Kita, um, yes. You know, where you look at God till it's gone and you can kind of see his work in there. Um, totally. This is the beauty of like, for me, it's like the, the gumbo of creativity where, you know, I had, the, I had the honor of working with Kerry Washington on the Bad Habits video. And it's like, she's an, inco- I mean, I knew when I saw her in that last dance movie with um, Julia Stiles, I was yes. like, this one right here is going to do something. And, you know, she's, you know, gone on to do... Of course, we all know her from Scandal, but, you know, for me, you know, Little Fires and, uh, you know, The Last King of Scotland were, Mm. I mean, and I got to say, you're, you know, you you should know as a a musician person, person that I am, I I find what you do as an actor spellbinding because I don't know how you memorize all those (laughs) Oh, you just you just learn it the night before. That's for every day. You don't have to remember the whole script. Everyone always says that you you don't remember the whole script and then you know it and you go in. You get your scenes the night before. So when you're traveling home from set, I normally learn them all then. And then we're having dinner or you're in the bath. You look at your lines and the next day you do it. And then my short memory is screwed because I can't because I'm so used to just wiping everything, learning. And also sometimes he's just running around in a forest screaming for like a whole day, exactly like in the sister. For the people out there who who are probably looking at you and going, wow, you know, because you have to know that the people that I noticed that you've worked with, they are really amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, mean, it's not it's like, sorry, YouTubers, you know, sorry, you know, (laughs) TikTok people. But this is like trained, skilled stuff, you know, and. Uh, I think you worked with Lydia West. Am I correct? Am I? Did I of course, yeah. Lydia West. She was we my love niece her. in years and years, and then obviously as Jill in It's a Sin, she's like blown up, and she's incredible. And we did a film before Christmas together. She's and um, Maxwell. I have I have texted her saying that you sent your love to her, and she sends it back. And when you come to London next, we're going to have a dinner at Russell's flat with Lydia, Russell, you, and me. And we're going to play Russell's your album, your sexy and vulnerable album. We're going to play your album. album. Yeah. <laughs> you won't like that. <laughs> I'll bring the wine. I'll bring the sunglasses and the ad. Yeah, sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Lydia's um, really excited to meet you. But but it's just so, for yeah. me when I see that when I see you know when I see all that you know excellence and and that camaraderie and 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 the chemistry that you guys share and it's not and it's not just you know um it's not just you know cornered into just this one movie but i feel like there's a collective of of actors that are coming out of your world russell yeah that you know you see them in black mirrors you see them here you see them there you see them here and you're like wow you know this is a this is a family of this is a renaissance to me when I look at it as an American looking at 
at, at, at you Brits do your thing, you know? <laughs> Sorry about that. No, it's I love so it. true, though. If you think of, like, Maxim, Maxim Baldry, who's on years and years, he's an incredible actor. You think of Kadif Kirwan, who's one of our best friends. There's so many people coming out of the UK at the moment. Who How does it feel things. to know that you know so many cool people who do so many cool things? <laughs> it's cooler because I'm now talking to you. So I know that this is all led to he this, feels the this interview. He's Maxwell. ever felt. Because now he's I feel the out most sexiest Maxwell. and most vulnerable I've ever felt right now oh talking God, to you. This is so funny. <laughs> people are going to hate this episode because all we're doing is kissing each other's ass. <laughs> we're just oh sucking each God. other off. Someone's literally yeah. vomiting as they funny. listen as they're listening to this. Oh, they've just turned it off and vomited. They're not even listening to it oh still. Oh my God, yeah. it's too funny. Yeah. I am going to pull out the photos for this, by the way, for Instagram because I'm going to show that photograph of you in that amazing installation. I'm, I'm sure we've got pictures of us with Tracy on the roof of the Whitney Museum. I think we all did like a pose or something, so I'm going to find those. Right, so Maxwell, from your first job as a dishwasher at Pizza Hut to three Grammy (laughs) Awards and 13 Grammy nominations, we're going to ask you the questions that we ask everyone. The first one is, if you could do an art heist, you could have any work of art in the world from any collection, you could steal it from your friends, you could steal it from a museum, and you can have it safely with you every day, what would it be and why? This is going to be quite controversial. Are you prepared? Yeah. I would I would return art that was stolen from certain countries and I would give it back to those people that love it. that. Oh my god, I think that's the best answer we've ever had on this show. It's a reverse art heist. It's an art an art return. It's, it would be an art return. Um and I say that anything specifically? A lot of African art yeah. <laughs> that exists in the Louvre right now. Um you know, should not be there. Um, there's a lot of stuff that was probably like um, taken, stolen uh, during the, uh, the the Hitler era. Yes. Um, that we sh- that should be with certain people, um, and I think that that's probably an, uh, uh, another phase in the accountability that will probably come down the road for the for the art world. Um, I think the new the new the new tribe of people who are willingly giving their work, like the Basquiat's who created work that was commissioned, that grew and and, and became, you know, powerful. Um, uh, like, you know, of course, um, there's so many artists that I can say that are that I'm so happy that I see their work um, you know, coming from nothing to something. Um, but I think that the historical value of, of art um, gained, retrieved, and taken because of a circumstance, a calamity, a war, um, those, those pieces need to be looked at very carefully because some of those pieces really mean something to a, a culture that yes. is, is, is unable to retrieve it and get it back. Um, and I, I know this is a controversial answer. <laughs> I know you guys weren't expecting that. No, you know what, Max? I was reading an article the other day at the BBC all about the Benin bronzes and how they were brought to Europe in the kind of late 1800s. And they were looted by like British soldiers and sailors and um, um, from Nigeria. And there was actually an amazing guy who had some of these Benin bronzes and in 2014 actually went back to Nigeria and gave them back. I think it was like a oro bird and a bell that he returned because his ancestors or you know his grandfather or, or somebody had had um stolen them you know looted them so he actually returned them and gave them and the thing is some of these benin bronzes are selling on the secondary market for like 10 million pounds do you know what i mean and it's 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 the soul of 
you know, and the history Nation. and the culture of, of this place. And it's like, mm. it's so wrong. And yeah, it's really interesting that you said that because I literally just read all about it. That is a brilliant answer. <laughs> I didn't, really, I didn't even think I was going to say it. It just kind of came to my mind because yeah. I remember a friend of mine was, was, was talking to me about this. And, 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 I, <clears throat> and I think that, you know, that's just something that, you know, in, in the near future, uh, we'll have to, uh, as, as, a, as, as collectors, as, as a collective of people who do appreciate not only the culture, but the art that comes from it, um, you know, someone's going to have to make that decision down the road um yeah and actually you really love um going on to another topic you really love basquiat don't you i guess because of the new york history and downtown 81 and all that yeah cool. i mean the, the the haiti thing the puerto rico thing i mean yeah. and i had your no, dad was puerto rican and yeah. i had no idea uh about who he was um until way later yeah. um and and i just connected with him because i just uh I, you know, it's a kind of wounded soul kind of thing, that wounded sort of like energy. Um, this is what I love about what, what you guys are doing with the new artists is that they don't have to kind of be like wounded souls. They could be pretty happy and make great work and be successful. Yeah. Um, you know, the whole idea that you have to be this, um, you know, just tortured starving starving in a studio and yeah I, I i subscribe to that you know and i had to let go of that with lots of therapy guys um where yeah i need to be so conflicted and sad and i need to put myself in crappy situations and be with you know not so great people at times um that, that don't you know celebrate or give you a sense of worth um in order to create this great thing um and you know I, I think that that's what I sort of connected with, um, um, but it, it's very different when 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 all eyes kind of are on you. I'm, I'm sure you 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 went through that, Robert, with with your music and stuff, and you were mm. like, "Look, I I'm good. You know, this is just yeah. I just I couldn't do it. This I is too so much, much for me. Yeah, and yeah. I'm sure you know, Russell, you're you're out here as 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 your stock continues to rise, and you know you have to because I feel you know amongst both of you. There's a great depth of integrity um, and sensitivity with what you what you do. Why you even mm. do this talk and the people that have come, um, I don't think they'd come just because they need more press. You know, no. I think they come because they they really want to share these ideas and they really want to inspire people. And I feel like you know people need to understand. And this is so hard to to articulate because you know for someone who is dreaming about being a musician and being a singer or being a songwriter you know they would crawl through glass to do whatever I, I have to say to them you can't put yourself in a position where you're willing to do whatever because if you tell the universe that you're willing to do whatever you will be asked to do whatever and there's got to be a line for mm -hmm. you so that you know inside your soul mm -mm, this is too much this is this is where I can't go past this, and mm. it's that, it's it's that um, it's that defining moment and restriction that gives you the freedom. I feel personally. Yeah, it's like learning your boundaries and what 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 it is that you as an artist want to create. And the thing is that you have to hold on to so much because I think being an artist is such a solitary journey in so many ways. 
you know, which you will relate to as a singer-songwriter, but also people listening to this who might be, I don't know, woodworkers or painters or whatever. Like, it is a solitary journey, but you just have to hold on to what it is you believe in, what your vision is, because that's the only thing that will, you know, and that's what I love about you, Max, is that you've always done that. But also, if you, if you do that, greatness can come as well. You know, it's like when you, when I first met you, you'd just written the song Lake by the Ocean, and I remember you singing it, and we were, like, doing that intro bit, you know, the... The little, uh, sing it, of, please, both of you. No, I can't, I can't <laughs> no you go I first. Did, I did actually <laughs> sing it to you quite a few times. Um, sing it, Max. How does it go? Sing a bit. <laughs> Something like that. Mm-hmm. It's kind oh of hard to do. Oh yeah, you've got a neck brace. Oh yeah, on you've got a moment. neck brace on. Yeah. But anyway, that track, and then and then a year later or two years later, it got a Grammy. You won a Grammy for that song, That's and so I remember funny. thinking, like, how crazy that, like, I was in a car listening to the like, kind of pre-mastered version of it, and then suddenly it gets a Grammy. And the point is, like, you know, successful people are real people too, and you just have to really work hard, do your craft, and keep on because um, you can do it if you've got the talent. Have your have your sense of uh, of of you know, carve your path out in your mind because that's how I feel like you attract the thing that you want the most because you're going to attract a bunch of stuff. You know, it just comes. It just, things come, but it's the choices you make within those um, those manifestations that sort of lead you to hopefully that 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 groundbreaking moment where you where you look back at everything and you go, you know, I'm really, I'm really proud of, 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 of the impact and not because of how it makes my ego feel or how I look because it's you know I, I I know it's very hard to to not be narcissistic because being in the spotlight takes a little bit of narcissism because I mean mm. anyone who says that they're they're not a little narcissistic and is like singing in front of thousands of people or acting in front of a bunch of please give me a hot break <laughs> you've got a little something in you but it's a question of just you know, looking at the amount of it that you're willing to allow to inflate in your in your personality. You know, remembering to be kind to, to people, remembering to, to know that you're one song away from where you started. You're one yeah. thing away. Like there is no absolute, um, you know, definitive, you know, you're here and this is always gonna be here. We're all playing a part in the tradition of the creative world. You know, someone passed me the baton 20, 25 years ago. I will have to pass that baton on to someone else. It doesn't, yeah. you know, uh, diminish me to know that it's someone else's turn at the wheel. It only, in my opinion, elevates me to know that I was part of that journey. That the same journey that I watched others take before me, that I was allowed to get on. And now I get to be, <clears throat> you know, hopefully an inspiration for others to come. Uh, and oh, I think you're that, definitely an inspiration to us. Well, I mean, I feel like that 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 plays with everyone here. You with with Russell, with we all are doing this. You know, there's some kid that's looking at your work and going, "Mom, I think I I know what I want to do." You know what I mean? Mm. And, and and there's someone who's listening it's a nice to you. Yeah. yeah, it's a great it's it's great to know that like, and I think when you can kind of embrace that. <clears throat> you're not so concerned about losing anything and you kind of can take your time to succeed then rush to your to your failure you know and i, I know people ask me and i'm probably setting myself up to to explain the hiatuses that sort of like you know plague me around my career 
but you know, I I do love to live and remember what it's like to, you know, know what what it's like to not be known by people, you know. And then if I get a lucky break and all of a sudden I come back around the bend and here I am again and everybody's got this song in their head and and the the show is filled. I'm actually, you know, I'm like filled with a, a, a bizarre joy because I I know when I was when I played the um, what was that place that you saw me at no in Paris we did the zenith I think it was or something mm-hmm. like that and it was a lot of people you know and to this day I'm 27 years old I played Royal Albert Hall Madison Square Garden and I still can't believe that people came I swear yeah. to you I'm sitting there and I'm like looking I'm peering you know through the curtain and I'm like they actually showed up Mm. And 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 I'm just so happy that I still have that feeling of 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 that I'm that, gratitude that I'm that grateful still, and I'm mm-hmm. really really that grateful. And to be able to talk to both of you, especially because you know I have so much respect for you, Robert. Just just you know the Marnie that you wear constantly. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that was when we first a, met, wasn't it? I was always wearing Marnie. Oh my god. Have you moved on? <laughs> No, oh, no, I've, I've moved old on Marnie to all, all bits, yeah. old Marnie. It's always like old this, old that, this whole yes. thing. Um, oh so God. come on, the next you, question. Actually, one second. You and you also took me to all the clubs in New York. I think I went to every single sort of one of the coolest night spots ever. We went to 4040, which was owned by Jay-Z, I think. We went to like all over the place. So anyway, yeah, yeah we, we definitely we, had fun. When we could, you know, I'm so grateful we got that. It's coming back. It's coming back. <laughs> yeah. Any moment. The other question we ask every guest is, what is your favorite color? Black. I knew you were going to say that. You knew I was going to say that. I mean, what yeah. do I always wear? But also, you've had the Black Summer's Night Odyssey. I mean, it's like one, two, three. Love do, you, do, you have, do you have a lot of interior? Do, is your interiors black? Do you ever like have like... Um, I, no, I mean, like I have black a... Furniture. I, I like things to be, you know, in terms of like... In, uh, uh, interior stuff i like things to feel like oh that came from this country that came from that place yeah, like nice. I, I don't really like the add water and stir home where it's like you know you, and i've been to many of these homes where it's like wow everyone has this chair everyone has it yeah it's from the same thing you know i kind of like things to feel like i lived and i went and got that here and i went and got that there and it's not because i'm someone this is the chair to buy you know Yes. Um, or this is the the table to get kind of thing. I, I like things to mean something, just like in 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 my portfolio, and just like in my um, art collection. I I like it to mean something to me, not because it's what everyone's buying right now. Um, so that but, but black really mainly because um, it is all colors together when you look at it. It's all the colors together. I think. I could be wrong about this. I think someone might might have argued this point with me in the past, but I like to believe that all colors together are black. Um, and so that's probably why I like black the most, because it's everything at once. Nice. Well, listen, you're a singer. I, I, I don't want to be exploitative, but is there any way, we had a little trill just now uh, from Black Summer's Nights, but is there any way you'd give us a little bar of something? Okay. Oh, wow. With neck brace and all, by the way. Yeah, we love that neck brace. Okay. It's a good look. 
Time will bring the real end of Archer. One day there'll be no remnants, no trace, no residual. We'll feel it within you. One day you won't remember me. That's all I got for you. Oh <laughs> my God. It's called Pretty Wings. I don't know if you know it. Do you know it? We know it. That's on the first Black Summer. Of course we fucking know it. Can you do can Oh you, my god. Can you do the can you do the chorus, Russell? You should know is the one that is the one that gets me. That one that you. I think he sings you at Carrie. As if you knew you'd stay right there. Oh my God! You shouldn't know these things about me. Oh my God! That is literally Russell's karaoke. You know that song? Oh my God! That one is like. So 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 you were you were cool with Emria then. Uh, yes, loved. <laughs> Thank you. Loved. is an iconic album. Uh, loved. I mean, honestly. Once you've got them in with your sexy vulnerability, then you put Embrya on, and then you're like, "Come on, Em, let's go, let's cuddle, let's cuddle, let's cry, and then let's." <laughs> it's so cool. I mean, I got to tell you, I've I've done a few. Actually, this is my first my first podcast ever, and I remember yes. Robert. I remember when you were telling me about this this little nifty idea that you had. Um, but I'm so happy that you did this. I'm so happy because when I, when I listen to it and I, and I hear all the people who really c- could be doing other things if they want, you know what I mean? But the mm-hmm. fact that they've come to you guys um, and the kind of ideas that you share, um, it's, it's, it, you're creating artists that have yet to be seen right now with this podcast, you know, from all nice. facets. And and I just, I'm, I'm so grateful that you've asked me and I'm so happy that I got a chance to, to know you before this, to actually know you and, yeah. and to do this because it's, we're just doing it. There's nothing to sell. There's no agenda. And then for you, Mr. Russell Tovey, mm-hmm. you're really, really good, bro. Like if 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 you if I singer, mean, you're talking about my singing, yeah. <laughs> you know, Max has got his own record label now. He could sign you. <laughs> yeah, I'm up. I'm up for that. Oh my god, you're amazing, Maxwell. Well, I can't wait for us all to hang out in person. I know we have to have our Lydia West dinner. Yes, that's going to be the best. Loving that. The best. Well, Maxwell, thank you so much. It's been such a joy to spend some more time with you, and. Um, yeah, it's been good to talk about stuff we wouldn't normally talk about because our friendship doesn't it's normally. It's a very inspiring episode. Very inspiring <laughs> episode. Nice to hear. Yeah, it, thank you. So did you much. say that to all the episodes? No, no. I feel like we've really checked. Oh my god! Here. here we go. Here we go. He's doing his English accent now. He loves. This. Oh. I get I get phoned by him regularly, and it's like, "Hello, Robert. How are you? Robert? <laughs> How is England doing?" And he's he's got a really good like Downton Abbey voice. It's as bad as the Mary Poppins situation. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen Mary Poppins, but... Yes. No, Max, what was the thing you told me the other day about Bridgerton? Shall we go for a promenade? Yes. By the way, I haven't seen this thing, but it's just like, it's become all the... It's all the rage here in, in, in the States, and all these people are like going, you know, let's go on a promenade, let's do... And like, it's... I, I know for you, as, as as obviously you guys are English, when you see this, do you believe it? <laughs> Oh, it's lovely. It's lovely that people like it. It's great. I mean, Downton Abbey is a phenomenon, and then Bridgerton's a phenomenon. There's, there's, you know, we, what we 
do well in this country is costume period drama. We really get it right. But we you definitely know, and don't I know, walk and around. I know that was developed obviously by Shondaland, yeah. Shonda Rhimes, and but that is with the uh, what our history. Do you know what I mean? It's really kind of the pompousness of like the upper echelons of British, you know, history. Yeah, and but we don't just, anymore go around saying, Russell, would you like to go on a promenade? Well, I'm going to now. That's it. I'm going to talk about <laughs> us promenading up and down. Max, yeah. next time you're in town, we will do this. We're we'll all going to go promenade. For a promenade. We'll, we'll yes. go promenade. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, it was a, it was a, it was a pleasure. It was an absolute Thank pleasure. Thank you so much. But everyone listening, go onto our Instagram at Talkart to see images of what we've been talking about today. Follow Maxwell. Are you at Maxwell? At Maxwell um, on Instagram at underscore Maxwell underscore on Twitter at Maxwell, Facebook, and then everything else is pretty much Maxwell. Amazing. Well, thank, well, thank you, you, you very much. We'll be thank back very soon. Goodbye. Bye. Bye, Max. Bye, guys. You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamond and Russell Toby. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in today's episode, with music by Jack Northover. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.